Amen. You sure are pretty. <laughs> Truly, God has the whole world in his hands. He is in charge and he's in control. The leaf doesn't fall from a tree that he's not aware of it. He is provident and sovereign. He always has purpose. When you can see that spiritually, then you can find rest in God regardless of your circumstances. What a beautiful song our team presented to us. That's a song that Arthur wrote, and it reveals to us so much more than his giftedness. It reveals to us his heart, and I'm grateful for him. I'm grateful for Pastor John Malloy, two weeks ago, who stood here, and, or sat here, <laughs> I, I understand, and, uh, and taught us from God's Word, and what a great, great job that he did. And I appreciate, I appreciate his willingness and his availability and his time of preparation more than anything, his heart for you. He sure does love you. And that was a gift of love um, that he presented to you two weeks ago. And I'm, I'm thankful for Arthur and our young people, our middle school and high school students. I'm so grateful for their availability, for their willingness to allow God to change them. More than allowing it, but having a desire for it. I have seen some incredible incredible things in the lives of our young people and and um, that reveals their heart to us and I thank Arthur for the way that he challenged us from God's word last week and what a great great job that he did uh, great preparation and a great challenge for us and I want to tell you one other thing real quick only because I can um, three weeks ago tomorrow, uh, <laughs> this is ridiculous. My father-in-law went for a checkup, and uh, they didn't let him go home. And two days later, he had triple bypass surgery. It's okay. He's here this morning. I think he's here. <laughs> I love you, Papa. And I'm grateful that our sovereign God said, I got stuff for you to do here. I'm not ready for you yet. And I believe it's going to be many, many more years that you'll serve him here on earth. And I, I'm so grateful for that. We're... Um, We've been in the Gospel of John, studying God's Word, the Gospel of John for nine months, or seven, seven months now. There seems to be this theme that kind of comes out from it. There's a physical realm, and there's a spiritual realm, and Jesus and his teachings 
over and over and over again continues to reveal to us the spiritual realm and challenges us and, and teaches us to, to live in the spiritual realm. That, that we should not be so concerned about the here and now. We should be concerned about eternity. That eternity takes precedence over the temporal. Three years now in Jesus' earthly ministry, and it has kind of been this theme when he talks about birth, he's talking about spiritual birth, and when he's talking about water, he's talking about living water, and when he's talking about bread, he's talking about the bread of life. And we cannot grasp, we can't understand we can't apply to our lives his teachings to us through his word if we are receiving it in the physical. If we're receiving what he's teaching us in the physical, then we are what Jesus calls spiritually blind. We don't understand what he's talking about. We're going to talk today about spiritual blindness. What is it? It's thinking. It's living in. It's experiencing life in the spiritual realm. It's receiving a moment by moment, a daily understanding and experience of God, that he's involved in your life, that he guides and directs that he gives us understandings regarding the circumstances that we're experiencing. It is from God. There are those in this room more than I care to imagine who come and they hear God's word week after week, month after month, year after year, some decade after decade, and experience no change in their life. You know why? Because they're listening to me and not God. It, it, it's like when Jesus said to the disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks up and he goes, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, your daddy didn't tell you that. My daddy told you that. Jesus said, you didn't get that from man. You got that from God. And that's, that's how we have to receive his teaching. We have to receive it from him. We have to understand it as he speaks to us. Listen, folks, if we don't, we can have a spiritual high here on Sunday morning. But if we're not seeing spiritually, if we're not grasping his truth spiritually, if we're not understanding it from him, then when we leave here, we go back to the same life that we had when we came in. We go back to the same defeat. We go back to the same habits. We go back to the same experience. And that's not God's intent for you. God has more for you than that. I look at the 
first chapter of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul, I think this was probably his favorite church. He spent more time there than at any other church. I, I recall that, that when he met with them for the last time, he wept because he knew that he would not see them again this side of heaven. And he says to this church in verse 15, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, listen, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that is, that you might see spiritually, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places? He's saying, I want you to have spiritual sight so you'll know the riches that you have in Christ. I want you to have spiritual sight so, so that you will experience the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. I, I, I want you to have spiritual sight so you can experience that in your life. Do you want spiritual sight? Are you hungry for spiritual sight? Are you experiencing that in your life? It reminds me a little bit about the parable of the soils. Do you remember that we talked about that a little bit? On Easter, there are some in this room, you're represented in the parable by the, the, the hard road. You're not interested in that at all, and you're willing to admit that. And I, I value that. I appreciate the fact that you're willing to say, look, I'm just not interested. There are those in the, the thorny road that, that you want spiritual sight, but but your foundation and your relationship with Christ is an emotional foundation. In other words, it doesn't go deep. It doesn't go to the real truths. I have prayed fervently these last couple of weeks for our teenagers who were at camp because I know that it's easy to have an emotional experience at camp. And I challenge our young people, our teenagers that our relationship with Jesus, while it involves emotion, is not built on emotion. The foundation is not emotion. The foundation is truth. The foundation is, is doctrine. It's why we must preach doctrine here at Avalon Church. You, you need to know doctrine. You need to know about the sovereignty of God. You need to know about the omnipotence of God, the omniscience of God. You need to know the difference between His providence and His sovereignty. These are things, these are doctrinal truths that you need to have, you need to embrace. Why is that so important? It's enough to know that Jesus is God and that and that His death on the cross satisfied your penalty for sin? That it took your sin away, it adopted you into, the, into the, uh, the family of God? It's enough to know that for salvation, but let me tell you something. That's not enough for living out the Christian life. You need to know doctrine. You need to know who 
God is. Why? Why is that so important? Because if all of you, if all you have is the feel-good emotional stuff, the first time something goes wrong, you're going to start going, where was God? I'm not even sure he's real. Why would he let that happen? And you begin to doubt doctrine. It's more than emotion. Emotion is represented by that thorny ground. That thorny ground prevents us from seeing spiritually and experiencing the reality of the truth of God's Word. And and then there's the weeds, right? The ground with weeds. Those are people who are just too busy. Everything's going on. I don't have time. And it prevents you from seeing spiritually. And then there's the fertile ground. And those are the people who have a true desire to see spiritually, to experience spiritually, and to receive spiritually, and to not hear the pastor, but to hear from the Holy Spirit himself who's here. And to be taught by him. So what keeps us from seeing spiritually? What keeps us from seeing spiritually? What enables us to see spiritually? If you're waiting for me to tell you, you won't get it. Holy Spirit, God, who is here, who indwells me, teach me, is the way we have to receive this truth. So let's pray and ask Him to do that, okay? Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, who indwells every believer, in these few minutes, take Your Word and teach us and help us to see spiritually, help us to see spiritually, apply spiritually, And through that, change us is my prayer in your powerful name. Amen. John chapter 9. Let me read just these first few verses because I want us to get kind of the setting. Uh, This is is into the third year of Jesus' ministry. He has been teaching and teaching for three years, really longer than three years now, And he's been teaching the same consistent truth about who he is. These things have been written to you that you might believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's what John's about. It says in verse 1, As he passed, he saw a blind man from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus and his disciples are, are, are walking along. They come upon a man. John tells us before Jesus even speaks, before Jesus even acts, that this is a man who's been blind from birth. The disciples ask him, obviously somebody sinned for him to be born blind. Was it him or maybe it was his parents? It's either or. Lord, what is it? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned and it was not that his parents sinned, but that the works of God might be displayed that the works of God, in other words, that God would receive glory, that I might have an opportunity to reveal my compassion and my power and my authority. Now look, what what can we get from this story? This entire chapter is about this man. 
And I see things throughout here, and I'll just show you the key verses this morning, but what keeps us from seeing spiritually? Here's one thing that I see in the second verse. It's a, it's a key verse. The second verse simply says, uh, Master, teacher, rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? What keeps us from seeing spiritually? There's an either-or thinking that goes on. It's one of two things. We have a tendency to think that way as well. We narrow our options in circumstances to two options. Oftentimes, we don't hear God's response because God has a third option. God has something that He wants to accomplish. We pray and we think to ourselves, we present to God even, we ask God, and we, we say something like this, you know, I, I either need to take this job which I don't like, or I'm going to have to file for bankruptcy. Those are the two options. What about this one? I'm either going to have to learn to be miserable, or I'm going to have to get a divorce. Those are the two options. And it blinds us spiritually to what God wants to do in our lives because God has a third option. We need to seek and ask Him for His option in our circumstance. Maybe He doesn't want you to be miserable. Maybe He doesn't want you to get divorced. Maybe He just wants to mold you and shape you and change you into a person who learns how to love unconditionally. Maybe He wants to change your heart. He wants to do something entirely different than the two options that you've presented with him. I can tell you this, he has a plan. Maybe I, I should get married or I should just be lonely. I ask my two options. Maybe God has a third option. Maybe God wants to use you in your singleness. Maybe God wants you to wait and learn from him and prepare your heart for for someone who he has reason. I don't know, but there's a third option, and we can't just say, this is, it's either this or this. Sometimes God has a third option. And we need to begin to ask ourselves what that third option might be. This case of this blind man, the options that the disciples gave Jesus was somebody sinned. It was either him or his parents. Who was it? But that wasn't the case at all. There was a third option. Jesus basically says, he's blind, so that I might have opportunity to reveal my love and character. God directs Jesus to do a miracle in this man's life 2,000 years ago, so this morning we can learn from it. We have a great God, a sovereign and provident God who has a plan that keeps us from seeing that, that option well. What's one thing, before we go on, that enables us to see? I see it in verses 6 and 7. Verse 6 says, Having said these things, Jesus spat on the ground, made mud with saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent and so he went and washed and came back seeing. What enables us to see? Simple obedience in the ordinary things. We begin to open our eyes and see spiritually when we're committed in our heart 
to be obedient to what Jesus calls us to, and more often than not, more often than not, it's going to be simple, ordinary things. Go wash your eyes. Was it necessary for the man to go and wash his eyes for Jesus to heal him? Jesus could have spoke a word and he would have been healed. It was a step of faith. Would you have done that? King James says that Jesus spit on the clay, made mud. Clay throughout Scripture is a sign of humanity. God's the potter, and we're the clay. He reaches down and involves Himself in our lives and molds us and shapes the clay into what He wants it to be. We're the ones who are molded. He's the molder. And so we obey, even in the ordinary simple things. Jesus gave this man something very simple to do. It required faith, but he was obedient. I would even challenge you on your own time to study some of the miracles in the Bible and see if it's not simple, ordinary things that God uses to do miracles. You want to part the Red Sea? Moses, hold up your staff. <laughs> really? You want to feed 5,000 with a couple of loaves and a few fishes? And just do what he says. He says, hey, take it and start separating it out. Just simple, ordinary things. What else keeps us from seeing? Verses 8 through 10. I see in verses 8 through 10, doubt. John 9, 8 through 10. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, they had seen this blind man, they knew him, they knew him. Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some says, it is he. Others said, no, it's not he. He kept saying, I'm he. I'm the man. They said to him, then how were your eyes opened? There were those who doubted. We do that too. What keeps us from seeing spiritually? Doubt. These friends and neighbors of this man could not believe that this had actually happened. They were blind spiritually. They, they robbed themselves of this incredible intervention and interaction with Jesus because they doubted. We do the same things. Sometimes we live in darkness because we believe that light is impossible. Doubt. Doubt. We sang this morning, there's none like our God. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Do you believe that? Do you believe that there's not a circumstance in your life that He's not bigger than? He's bigger than every single circumstance in your life that you can give Him, you can entrust Him with that circumstance? Or is there doubt there? Doubt will rob you of being able to see spiritually and experience what God wants to do in your life. Is reconciliation in your marriage possible? Jesus is the light. Is there, is there forgiveness that's possible? Jesus is the light. Freedom from guilt? Jesus is the light. He can do it. Nothing is impossible. The question becomes, do you believe that? One of the things that keeps us from seeing spiritually is the doubt in our own heart. Here's something else that sees us 
from um, seeing spiritually. Verses 13 through 17. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees says, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? There was division among them. You know what prohibited them from seeing spiritually? Man-made rules. I wonder how many in here are unable to see spiritually because rules are more important than relationship. Nothing wrong with rules. Nothing wrong with the law. The law remains. Every dot, every tittle, it says in the King James. I have no idea what that means. The law is not bad, but when we worship the law, we're unable to see spiritually what Jesus wants to do in our lives. The Pharisees could not accept what had happened because of one reason. It happened on the Sabbath. These people had so many rules that pertained to the Sabbath that this incredible event, this man who was blind from birth could see. And because of rules, this incredible event became a... A time of contention instead of a time of celebration. It became a a time of division instead of a a time of worship. It's about Jesus. We can't put rules above what He wants to do in our lives and how He wants to change us. Rules are bondage when they're above Jesus. It's about relationship. Be devoted to the relationship, not the religion. Listen, you say, you say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me, is this an area of my life that you want to change? Because I don't know. I don't know if you just love the rules more than Jesus. But allow Him to speak to you in this. Here's another thing that keeps us from seeing Spiritually, it keeps us from seeing spiritually. It's verse 18 through 23. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called his parents. They called the parents of the man who had received his sight. And and the, the Pharisees asked his parents, is this your son who you say was born blind? How is it that he sees? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but, now, but how he now sees, we don't know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes, which they did know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he's of age, he will speak for himself. Key verse, verse 22. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. They were afraid. They were afraid that they would be put out of the synagogue. Fear kept them from experiencing Jesus. Fear kept them from seeing spiritually. 
kept them from worship, kept them from the glo- giving glory to Jesus Christ. And their fear, listen, their fear was legitimate. They point to Jesus. They give honor to Jesus. They give glory to Jesus. They're going to lose their retirement plan. They're going to lose their means of making a living. They're not going to be able to take sacrifice to the temple. They're not going to be able to go and worship. Their fear was legitimate. And their fear, though, kept them from seeing Jesus. Seeing Him spiritually. There's some legitimate fears in this room this morning. How do we deal with those kind of fears? Listen carefully. Write this down on your notes. We have to be willing to lose everything for the sake of Jesus. Just give it all to Him. It's His, not yours. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm giving it to Him. I'm trusting it to Him. If you're willing to lose it all for the sake of Jesus, you don't have to be afraid of anything in this world. Right? For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Having victory over fear means the things of this world have no power over us. The power of legalism was stronger than the power of Jesus to the parents of this man. Kept them from seeing spiritually. Okay, look, either or thinking, right? Doubt, rules, fear, those things prohibit us from seeing spiritually And if we're not seeing spiritually, we're just going through the motions. No change is taking place in our lives. What enables us to see? I've mentioned obedience in the simple things. Verse 24 and 25, it's a a recognizing Jesus in your circumstances. Verse 24, so the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. Give glory to our God. This man, is a, he's a sinner. And he answered, whether he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind. Now I see. I love that. Gives me goosebumps. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He said, look, I've told you over and over and over. I told you already, you would not listen. Why do you ask me this again? See Jesus in circumstances. This is, this is the best answer in all of the Bible. What happened to you? I don't know. I know this. Once I was blind and now I can see. The blind man who was healed of his blindness recognized that it wasn't the method. It wasn't the clay. It wasn't washing in the pool of Siloam. It was Jesus. Recognize that. Acknowledge that. Worship Him in that. See His involvement. wasn't anything that this man had done. It was Jesus in His circumstances that brought about the supernatural in His life. Once I was blind, now I see. That's His personal testimony. 
I, I don't know, but, but I, I, I kind of trust. <laughs> he spent the rest of his life saying, once I was blind, now I can see. Once I was blind, now I can see. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You can be a great witness for Jesus. You just got to have a te- testimony like that. So you have to ask yourself, what was my life before and what is my life now? I think it can be unique to everybody. I mean, we can all say, once I was lost, but now I'm found. We can all say, once I was blind, but now I see. But I believe that, that Jesus works uniquely in all of us. Some of your testimony may be, you know, once I had this incredible, overwhelming sense of guilt, but now I'm free, I feel forgiven. That's their testimony. Maybe it's once I, I, I sensed no purpose in my life. It just seemed like a dead end, but, but now with Jesus, I, I know why I'm here. I know what he wants me to do. Once I feared my future. But now I know heaven's my home. Once I was miserable in my marriage, but God has taught me how to love. Once I felt so alone, now I'm a part of the family of God. What is your testimony? What has He done in your life? Can you think of anything? Listen, let me just be totally honest with you. If you can't think of anything, we got a problem. You can't think of of anything, any before and after. How long have you professed Christ as your Savior? Maybe we're not seeing spiritually. Maybe we're on this journey by ourselves, on our own, doing it in the physical, doing it in the temporal, doing it in our flesh. We sang incredible songs this morning about great, great God how He's involved, how He wants to change us. I want to tell you, this simple testimony is an important part of being able to see spiritually. Here's another thing, John 9, verse 38. It's it's about trusting in Jesus. Verse 38, the blind man says to Jesus, Lord, I believe. And he began to worship Him. I think this is the thing that God wants to develop in us more than anything else. Faith. I think He wants us to believe Him. I think He wants us to trust Him. I think He wants us to know His promises and put our trust and our faith in His promises that He has given us. Will we believe His promises? There's not an experience or a circumstance in your life that is not directly connected to one of the promises we find in Scripture. In other words, it's, this, it's believing what God says about your circumstance because we want to believe what the world says about your circumstance. And the world will tell you it's hopeless. And Jesus will tell you there's hope. When we believe, have faith, when we trust, it opens up our eyes so that we can see Him. It helps us to see spiritually. We we want to depend upon the world's assessment of our situation. 
God's constantly at work in our lives. He's constantly revealing to us. He's constantly teaching us. He's constantly shaping us. Some of that, maybe a lot of that, comes through difficult times. In this world, you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. <laughs> I want to see spiritually. Verse 39, I think, is important for us today as well if we're going to take this step. What enables us to see in verse 39, Jesus said, Judge, for judgment I came into the world that those who do not see may not, who do not see may see. He, 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 in the King James, he's talking about sin here. And those who see may become blind. It, it, what he's saying is, 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 it's how do I evaluate where I'm at spiritually right now? Do I say, I see spiritually? You're blind. Do I say, I so desire to see spiritually. Jesus, I, I want to experience you this way in my life. You, you will see. I, I think the word is humility. It's coming to that place in our lives where we freely admit, Lord, I'm weak. And I need your strength. Where I am weak, you are strong. I need you to lead me and guide me and show me the way. I need you to help me experience you and my circumstances. Oh Lord, I need you. You know what that is? That's humility. And I don't think you can see spiritually without humility. It's not willpower. I'm going to do it. I'm going to see spiritually. I'm going to see spiritually. I, I'm, from now on today, I've made that promise before and I've failed, but, but today I'm going to start and I'm going to see spiritually. No, this is the power of Christ in us. This is choosing to obey. It's choosing to see Jesus in our circumstances, trusting Him with our lives from a humble spirit that calls on God to meet our every need knowing that we're powerless without Him. So, oh say can you see. Until we see spiritually, there will be no change in our lives. Until there is change in our lives, we live beneath the privilege that Jesus died to give us. We live beneath the blessing. We, need, we live beneath the intimacy with Him. We live beneath the power. We live beneath His direction. If there's a, if there's a frustration in your life, I, I, I'm not experiencing what I hear the pastors say, I'm not experiencing what people testify in my life group, I'm not experiencing that, then, then listen, I bet you it boils down to whether or not you're, you're seeing spiritually or you're seeing physically. And the vast majority of people that we see in this ninth chapter were seeing physically and they were left out of the incredible reality of Jesus' power, 
of the reality of his compassion, the reality of his love, the reality of his involvement, they didn't get any of that. But you can. 2,000 years ago, this occurred so that this morning we can learn and grow and be changed for his glory. Let me invite you to stand. Well, I sure love having one service, and I can preach a second time if I want to, right? Lord Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for your involvement in our lives. Lord Jesus, I, I, I think about what the Apostle Paul said to the church at Corinth when he was trying to explain to them spiritual sight. And he, he said to them, unless the Spirit of God indwells you, then spiritual things will be foolish to you. Because spiritual things are seen in the Spirit. The Spirit of God who indwells us reveals to us spiritual things. If you're here this morning as I continue to pray, the problem may be that the Spirit of God does not indwell you. You've never trusted Him. You've never put your faith in Him. I said earlier that Jesus' death on that cross and His resurrection satisfied the penalty, the payment of all my sin, past, present, and future, and allows me a relationship with God when I trust it, when I put my faith in it. When I do that, His Spirit comes in and dwells me. And His Spirit is the one who reveals to me spiritual truth. If you're here this morning, that's a decision that you've never made in your life. That's an experience that you've never had. We are here to counsel with you, to, to lead you, to offer you that most important decision of your life. And we're here. We're here in the front. We're here for you. Please come and tell us you want to experience that in your life. For every believer in this room, I believe that all of these things that we've talked about this morning, the doubt and the fear and the obedience, all of these things, we all struggle in those areas. But this morning as the Spirit of God reveals Himself to us and teaches us, on this spiritual journey that we're on, He empowers us and we take a step closer to being the man and the woman that He's called us and wants us to be. Maybe you would want to say, Lord, everything I have and everything I am, I give to You. I'm going to trust You. I won't have fear. I want to see You in my circumstances. I'll believe. I will not doubt. Maybe that's your prayer this morning. 
We have a great God. He can accomplish that in your life. He'll do that for His glory, for His purpose. Give Him yourself. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.